welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. This is the morning session of Sunday the 16th of August 2009, entitled Complete in Christ, and the Bible reading is taken from Colossians chapter 2, verses 1 to 15. Here's Pastor Larry T. Curtis. First of all, just a big, huge thank you to, uh, to Pastor Iverson for filling the pulpit for us in our absence, and I know from uh, some of the emails that I've had from some of you that he's been a blessing to you, and I just thank him so very much because I can assure you that it's uh, a big relief to me when uh, it's bad enough that I have to be away, but it's a big relief knowing that there's somebody here that's, uh, that's feeding you from the Word that uh, we can have confidence in during those times. And so, and then each of you, I know that many of you picked up the different things. If I start calling names, I'll leave somebody out and I'll get somebody uh, in trouble. But uh, so many of you have, have filled in the gaps and, and uh, I thank you so much for all that you have been willing to, to do there and taking on the uh, extra responsibilities while that we were away. And thank you for all your prayers. Uh, we had a, a great time uh, in, in Las Vegas and uh, uh, we've enjoyed so very much. Again, uh, of course, most of you know Romani's family. You know how gracious and warm and loving they are. And, of course, Rosemary's family, the same way for us there. They just made us feel so very, very welcome. And we just enjoyed that time with them so much. And I was telling somebody earlier, of course, then just over two weeks with my mom. And believe me, even when you get to be as old and ugly as I am, it's still hard to say goodbye to your mom. And uh, it's hard for moms to say goodbye to you, so it's always a, a challenging time, but uh, uh, we're just so grateful that the Lord gave us that time. And you can pray now because she very much, mom's, what, 76 now, and she's still doing pretty well. And uh, she very much would like to come over in November for Tyler's uh, uh, wedding. Uh, but uh, at that age, she is a bit nervous about flying that distance by herself. And uh, so it's uh, it really comes down to whether there's some of the... Uh, of the family that's going to be able to fly with her. Uh, I told her if worse came to worse, I might just fly over and get her and bring her back over myself. Uh, but that uh, would be the, a more expensive way to do it. But just pray that the Lord might work it out, that she could be here and be a part of, uh, of uh, uh, the wedding for, for Tyler and whatnot. And I know many of you were praying. Uh, of course, we just thank God for the opportunity. I thank God for all of my family members that are Christians, but there are also those that claim to be Christians, but they don't have a very close walk with the Lord. There are those that are lost, and I always count it such a privilege and an honor to, to get the opportunity to, uh, to present the gospel, and that's all I tried to do. I didn't try to, uh, uh, to in any way, uh, I guess, uh, get fancy and uh, uh, show off in any way. I just preached a simple, straight gospel message, and I thank God for that opportunity. And I know that He was working in hearts, but only God can do that work, but uh, uh, just continue to pray that God would use those those seeds and that witness to uh, to speak to uh, to their hearts. But uh, so we're here today, of course. We I know that it's not our normal time for uh, uh, the Lord's table, but uh, we had skipped that while that I was away until uh, my uh, return. And so today, God willing, as we come around the Lord's table, um, I want us to look into God's Word and, and look at just a very simple thought that uh, uh, I'll try to press through uh, quickly. Uh, and uh, you'll find our reading in Colossians chapter 2. And I'd like to take our reading with verses 1 through 15. Colossians chapter 2, 
verses 1 through 15. I invite you to stand with me to honor the reading of God's holy word, beginning in Colossians chapter 2 and verse 1. For I would that you knew what great conflict I have for you and for them at Laodicea, and for as many as have not seen my face in the flesh, that their hearts might be comforted, being knit together in love, and unto all riches of the full assurance of understanding, to the acknowledgement of the mystery of God and of the Father and of Christ, in whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And this I say, lest any man should beguile you with enticing words. For though I be absent in the flesh, yet am I with you in the spirit, joying and beholding your order and the steadfastness of your faith in Christ. Ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him, rooted and built up in him, established in the faith, as ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. Beware, lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And ye are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power, in whom also ye are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands, in putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, buried with him in baptism, wherein also ye are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God who hath raised him from the dead, and you being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. And having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. Father, we thank you again for this time that we can have together this day. Thank you, Father, for each and every one that you've given health and strength, the privilege to be able to be here today. Thank you, Lord, that we have this place to gather in in your name. Thank you for your word, for your spirit that dwells within us. Father, now as we look to this time that we turn to your word, we realize that, it, Father, we stand in great need of your anointing, of your presence, of your speaking to our heart in a way that is beyond our ability. And so, Father, we pray for that at this time. Lord, that you would quicken these words and make them alive into our hearts. You know the hearts of each individual here this morning. You know the needs of each one, the lost that need to be saved, the backslider that needs to be restored, the Christian that is carrying a, a burden in some way. Lord, you know the questions and the things that are upon the hearts. And we just pray that you would meet with each one, that you would meet the needs, and that in all of it you might be glorified and honored. In Christ's name we pray, amen and amen. A simple thought this morning, simply complete in Christ. Complete in Christ. Now, what does it mean when we think of something being complete? I guess it's a word that gets tossed around a, a lot of times. And often when we say that something is complete, for example, we might say that something is completely safe. And yet, in fact... If there's one in one billionth of a chance that something would go wrong, it's not completely safe, though we would use that term. We might say that that glass of water is completely full, and yet if we could put 
one more dropper full in it, it's not really completely full. I can remember my sophomore year in high school. I had completed a course. And of course, one, one course that you have to have every year and you have to pass every year is English. You can mess up on a lot of things, but you can't mess up on English. I'd completed the course, but when it got to the end, I hadn't really quite completed it because I'd done all the classwork possible. And then right at the end of school, I was out doing like most young teenagers did in those days, working on those hot rods, and a car came off the lift and came against me and pinned me against the wall, and I ended up in hospital for a couple of days, and guess what? There was one end-of-turn exam that I had missed, and therefore, that course wasn't really completed, and I never got that great until I went back and did that one exam that I had missed. Matter of fact, most of the time, as with many words, we use words very loosely a lot of times. And we talk about things being complete or completely done or being full when in actual fact, we're not being completely accurate. But I want you to point you to something this morning that is as complete as complete can possibly be. We find as we look here, first of all, into uh, verse 9, the Word of God says, For in him, speaking of the Lord Jesus Christ, dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Or first of all, simply the Christ that is completely God. The Christ that is completely God. In him, the Bible says, dwells all the fullness of of the Godhead bodily. All the fullness. It speaks of, of completion. It can rate, relate to either the contents that's filling something or to that which is being filled. In other words, it can relate to what fills or what is filled when it speaks of this fullness. And that's precisely what we are speaking of when we say that Christ was 100% completely God, while at the same time 100% completely man, yet without sin. Jesus Christ couldn't have been any more God than he was. And he couldn't have been any more man, the only man, the only human being that ever walked the face of the earth that did not commit one sin. Jesus Christ, while in his body, was all God, completely God. He could not have been more God. There was nothing incomplete in his godliness. There was nothing missing. He couldn't have been more God than he was and that he is still to this day. We find if you turn back probably just a, a page in your Bible, Colossians chapter 1, Notice what it says, picking up there in verse 9. It says, For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to desire that ye might be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that ye might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might 
according to his glorious power unto all patience and longsuffering with joyfulness, giving thanks unto the Father which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. For by him, Jesus Christ, were all things created that are in heaven, that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. And he is before all things, and by him all things consist. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence, for it pleased the Father that in him, in Christ that is, should all fullness dwell. You realize that you can't go back far enough to get beyond Jesus Christ. <laughs> you can't comprehend there is absolutely nothing that exists in the world, in the universe. There is nothing that exists anywhere that was not put there by him. That is there still. That is there and stays there because of him. You see, today, Jesus Christ, he is as completely God as completely can possibly be. There is, the word means there is nothing, absolutely nothing missing whatsoever. But I want you to notice the next verse because you see it stands to reason that if all the fullness of God every possible thing that God is is found in Christ that it should in turn have a direct consequence upon the believer that is found in Christ. You see, not only do we see the Christ that is completely God, but we see the Christian that is complete in Christ. You notice in verse 10 he says, and ye are complete in him which is the head of all principality and power. In him, in Jesus Christ, the believer finds his completeness. Complete here, it means literally as, 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 as cramming a net full, as leveling out a, a, a hollow that, that has any kind of indentation in it. In fact, it's interesting. The word complete here in verse 10 comes from the exact same root as the word fullness does in the preceding verse. Matter of fact, if you look into your strong concordance, you'll find not only they come from the same root, but they come one word right after, right after the other in there. You see, he's trying to give us the exact same truth, that just as God, just as Jesus Christ is completely God, the believer in Christ is complete in him, is complete, is full, has everything that is needed. He's completely filled up. There's nothing that's left undone in him, nothing that is left incomplete. Preacher, what are you talking about? Well, in Christ, the believer who has received forgiveness 
first of all, is positionally imputed with the perfect righteousness of Jesus Christ himself. I know that that somehow is hard to comprehend in our physical minds because we look at ourselves, we look in the mirrors, and we do not see perfection. As a matter of fact, many times when we look, we see a lot of things that we wish that we didn't say. I mean, things that we struggle with, we, we wish that we didn't do those things. We wish that we didn't think those things. We wish that we had better control over this temper or that or the other. The truth is, we don't see that perfection. But yet, what the Bible teaches us is that in Christ, before God, see, Jesus Christ couldn't be any more God. He couldn't be any more righteous. It's impossible. And what the Bible is teaching us here is that in him, you have that righteousness, the same righteousness of God himself. Notice what he says there in Colossians chapter 1 where we were reading. Notice what he says, continuing on in verse 20. He says, and having made peace through the blood of his cross, by him, Jesus Christ, to reconcile all things unto himself. By him, I say, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven. And you, that were sometime alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight. You see, when the Bible talks about you being complete in Christ, when in Christ, when God looks, he doesn't see your unrighteousness and my unrighteousness. He sees the full righteousness of Jesus Christ himself. You can't stand before God any more holy, any more righteous than a believer whose sins have been forgiven that stands there in Jesus Christ, in Christ. You are complete because you have the complete righteousness of Jesus Christ himself. But that's not all, Christian. In Christ, the believer has complete heavenly resources of all things, the Bible says, that pertain to life and godliness. Turn with me, if you would, over just a few pages in your Bible, right back towards the end to 2 Peter chapter 1. Notice what it says in 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 2 to 4. He says, Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, according as his divine power, hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. I'm saying, folks, I know we live in an imperfect world and we live in imperfect bodies, but we need to see the Word of God is teaching us here, first of all and foremost, that Jesus Christ himself is completely God, but that the believer who puts his faith in Christ and seeks that forgiveness of sin that can only come through him, that once he takes his place in Christ, that he is then complete in the same way, in the same fashion, because God sees you in the righteousness and the holiness of God. And there, not only is that righteousness imputed to you, but you completely. In other words, there is nothing you could think of 
There is no trial that could be hard enough. There is no obstacle that could be tough enough that is beyond the realms of what God can accomplish in your life for you and through you. All things pertaining to this life and the next are yours in Jesus Christ. There is nowhere that you can come up short. God is sovereign. God is in control. And God will never leave you. God will never forsake you. He will always be there to meet every possible need in your life. I know sometimes our wants and our needs sometimes can get a little confusing. We may not have everything that we want sometimes, but sometimes our wants are a little out of kilter. But I promise you, you see, Christ is completely 100% God, and therefore the believer in him is 100% complete in the righteousness of God and in everything needed in this life or the next. It further stands to reason that if the Christian is 100% complete in Christ, then it is essential that each and every one of us as human beings today know exactly where we stand with the Lord Jesus Christ. Are we going to face God one day standing in our own merit, in our own righteousness, and therefore our own sin? Or will we face him in Christ and therefore in complete sinlessness in ourselves? We are incomplete in the righteousness required before a holy God. We are incomplete in all that is needed for life and godliness in this life, without Christ, we are incomplete. But in Christ, we're complete. You can't get any more. It's as full as full can be. There is absolutely, positively nothing missing when it comes to your righteousness, when it comes to your needs, when it comes to this life and the next, when it comes to godliness. Jesus Christ is everything that you need. You are complete in him. You can be complete in Christ today. You can have absolute confidence that you have everything that you need for this life and the next. There's nothing incomplete about our Lord and nothing that he does is incomplete. He's never incompletely saved anyone. If you trust him, if you put your faith and trust in him, there is absolutely no question, no doubt whatsoever that he is there to meet your need. You see, we saw, first of all, the Christ that is completely God. Secondly, the Christian that is complete in Christ. And one final thing, one final thought I'd like to give you from this passage this morning, the conversion that is complete in the gospel. You see, I'm saying, folks, we can have certainty today. We can be, have absolute confidence in our position in Christ in the completeness that comes with that position because there are some specific results of being in Christ. First of all, notice in verse 11, he says, in whom also ye are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands in putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. First of all, we are spiritually circumcised in him. And you can just as surely, you will not do any harm when we talk about being spiritually circumcised of saying that we are spiritually crucified with him. You see, circumcision in the Old and the New Testament symbolically spoke of man's need for the cleansing of the heart. Physically for the Jew, 
That physical circumcision was an outward sign of the cleansing of sin on the inside. At conversion, the believer undergoes spiritual circumcision by Jesus Christ in putting off the body of the sins of the flesh. It literally, it's not this physical operation. It is a spiritual operation where that flesh is taken away. And that, in fact, speaks of Calvary folks, of being spiritually crucified with Christ because the Apostle Paul said in Romans chapter 6 and verse 6, he says, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, with Jesus Christ, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. You see, when he's talking about that old body of flesh being put away, that we no longer serve sin, he's talking about us spiritually being crucified with Jesus Christ when he was crucified upon that cross. In Philippians chapter 3 and verse 3, he says, For we are the circumcision which worship God in the Spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. Folks, all of our confidence is in Jesus Christ. I'm saying to you today that you can have absolute, complete confidence in knowing that you have that position of completeness in Jesus Christ that is needed for you to face God. Because first of all, if you've been spiritually circumcised, if you've been spiritually crucified, secondly, notice what he says in verse 12, buried with him in baptism. Spiritually buried with him. He goes on, wherein also ye are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God who hath raised him from the dead. Spiritually buried with him, spiritually resurrected with him. Of course, for us as believers, our confidence, praise God, is in a living Savior. All the other religions, they can take you to their shrines. They can take you to the place where their founders lay. But thank God there's an empty tomb. There is no place that we can take you to to show you the body of our Savior. Aren't you glad that you serve a living Savior today? Jesus Christ died on Calvary's cross. He was buried in a borrowed tomb. And he arose the third day victorious over death, hell, and the grave. And today, hallelujah, our Savior lives. And today, if you, have repented of your sins and have put your faith and trust in the finished work of Christ, not your own. Note the glorious truth of the next verse he says in verse 13, and you, being dead in your sins. How did that come across? Through that spiritual circumcision, that spiritual baptism and resurrection, you, being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, Hath he quickened, hath he made alive together with him, together with Jesus Christ, you've been made alive. Why? Having forgiven you all trespasses, death is always a consequence of sin. But when sin is wiped away, when it's done away with, when it no longer exists, then neither does death. That's what Jesus Christ does for you. He wipes it out. He wipes out the sin and without sin. There is no penalty of death. You see, Jesus was quickened and made alive. And he says here, just as Christ was made alive, in him as a believer, you 
are made alive. You were dead in trespasses and sin, but now in Christ, you're alive. And you see, that's the presentation. It's all made possible through that word forgiveness, having forgiven you all trespasses, all sins. There is no sin left. Once it goes under the blood of Jesus Christ, it can exist. We can be complete in Christ because the forgiveness that is ours in Christ is complete forgiveness. It's all done away with. Notice here what he says in the next verse. He says, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. You know what? He says, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances. Do you know what the word for handwriting there really is signifying? It refers to a handwritten certificate of debt that a debtor would use to acknowledge his debt to someone. You see, we all owe God a debt for our sin. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. One that we cannot repay. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. You see, as a result of our sin, we are under the sentence of death. There can be nothing else but here. We're given a graphic illustration of God blotting out, it says here, literally wiping it away, completely erasing it, completely removing our indebtedness. It's completely gone. It's completely forgiven. It could not. It was as if it was never even there in the first place. It's gone completely. It was nailed to the cross of Christ and that in itself is yet another great illustration because it was the common practice at the crucifixions, just like Jesus Christ when he was nailed to that cross, to list all of the criminal's crimes and to nail them to the cross that he was being crucified on. That was why he was hanging there. It was all nailed to the cross. The sacrifice of Jesus was complete for those today who will believe because every believer's sin has been nailed to his cross. We sing that great sin. Folks, he truly has paid the price for your sins. If only you'll accept it. It doesn't do any good until you make it personal. You can be complete in him today. If you'll accept his sacrifice as full and complete payment for your sins. You see, repentance is about turning away. When you recognize that sin, you turn away from the sin and you turn to Jesus Christ. You trust him. You put your faith and trust in his finished work. It was his shed blood. That's what will blot out your sin. There on Calvary's cross, it says here, notice what it says in verse 15, and having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. His triumph was complete. 
Satan and all the demon forces of hell were defeated at Calvary, completely defeated. Our Lord's victory was complete, and he made an open show just as if in those days they used to take the, the defeated generals and they used to, to march them through the streets making a, a mockery of them because they'd been defeated. He openly, just as surely, made an open triumph of Satan. As Jesus Christ was nailed to that cross and rose the third day, Satan was openly thwarted for the whole world to see, if you will, but look at it today. The Christ we remember and worship today was and is completely God. The Christian that is found in Christ today is complete in Christ. The conversion that makes this completeness possible and personal is complete in the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ in what he accomplished for us, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's what it takes for your salvation today. I wonder today, do you know that you've experienced that complete forgiveness and victory that can be yours in Christ, that your sins have been blotted out, that all your trespasses have been completely forgiven? You can. Today, you can be completely forgiven. You can be complete in Christ, that you will stand before God in the righteousness of of Jesus Christ, of Almighty God himself, rather than your own. You can be complete today, that you can have faith and confidence and hope for tomorrow and for the future because your hope is not in man. It's not in our governments. It's not in how strong our armies are or are not. It's not in who can win this battle or that. Our faith and our hope is in Jesus Christ and him alone regardless of where we come from or where we go on the face of this earth, God's family is secure in him. Today, as we celebrate what is known as the Lord's table as communion, you see, I would say to you today, first of all, that if you don't have that certainty of knowing that you've experienced complete forgiveness today, then there is nothing in this bread and this cup that we're about to receive that will accomplish anything spiritual for you today. As a matter of fact, it can only bring danger because he tells us that if we eat and drink of this unworthily, we eat and drink damnation to ourselves. But today is still no accident that you're here because God's word could speak to you and the testimony because as we as a church come around this table, then it could be a testimony to you because you see what we're saying to you today it's not that you need this bread and this cup that we're about to receive. We're saying that this bread that we take is symbolic of the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. This cup that we drink is symbolic of the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's what you need today. You need Jesus Christ in your life. You need his blood covering your sins that they can be blotted out forever and for all time. So we want to be a witness to you today. That it's not we that can do anything for you. It's not this church. It's not religion. Christianity is not about a set of rules. It's not about all these religious paraphernalia that we have. It's about person, Jesus Christ. And it's about your relationship with that person. And so we want this to be a witness to you today. No one that doesn't have that complete assurance of their forgiveness should take of this table. Now the church has two ordinances. 
And of course, the ordinances were given to the church. And so therefore, as we come together as a church today in a unity as a body with Jesus Christ as our head, that we come in unity. But of course, to be part of that body, the first ordinance, the first step that you take as a believer is what's known as believer's baptism. So again, today, prior to even considering this ordinance, if you're a Christian that's never followed the Lord in believer's baptism, then that ought to be the thing that you're considering first and foremost. And of course, again, biblically, to become part of member of the body that's coming around this table, you should be a member of a body. And biblically, to be a member of a body, you should be saved and baptized already before you become a member of that body. And then as a body, we come together to celebrate this ordinance, to be a witness. And there ought to be unity, first of all. We find that, that the church at Corinth, that was their problem. They were coming around this table, and there was discord, and there was disunity, and all those between them. So we come together. Now, if you're here and you're of a different faith, of a different belief, we still love you. But it would be making a mockery of this table to come together and pretend that we are in unity of heart when if we have doctrinal differences, we just ask you today to let us love you and you love us. But let's not make a mockery of the Lord's table in pretending that there's something there that is not. Let it be a witness to you. And of course, Christians, even those that are members of this church, again, you know, the Bible tells us very clearly that this is a time to examine ourselves, to examine ourselves. You see, we want it to be a special time, and it should be a special time. It should be a great time of communion with each other and together as one body with our head, the Lord Jesus Christ. But sin is what will break that fellowship. So even as believers, if there is something in your life that you haven't dealt with, then I would urge you and encourage you right now, deal with that sin. You cannot truly have the fellowship that this table is designed for by allowing sin to remain in your life. I would invite you to turn with me to the scriptures just before that we take of this table this morning. And, you know, again, I would never want to come to this table and not read this passage to you because the Bible says, but let a man examine himself and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this cause many are weak and sickly among you and many sleep. For if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened of the Lord that we should not be condemned with the world. Wherefore, my brethren, when you come together to eat, tarry one for another. Let's take just a moment before that we receive of this bread and this cup this morning. And again, if you are with us, but you are not a member of our church, but... You are a Christian that has been born again, that is a member of a church of like faith. We invite you that if you would like to join with us, you may, if you're in unity and accord with us as a body. But if not, we don't love you any the less. But we ask you just to let the, the plate pass by and let it be a testimony and a witness that this body of believers here 
all of our faith, all of our trust, all the, the hope that we have in this world is in Jesus Christ. And as we remember his body and his blood today, we are witnessing to you that that is our only hope. and That's where it lies. 